We're finishing up a series today about prayer. So we've been in that for three weeks, and um, today we are going to um, look at a section of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount actually covers three chapters, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're just going to look at a little portion of that in chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. I want to read it to you, but here's what I would like to do. Uh, if you don't mind, if you would just close your eyes as I'm reading this to you, I just want you to try to transport yourself back in time, back to that place. Imagine you're there as Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. You're sitting on a grassy hillside with hundreds of people all sitting around you, and there's Jesus as he stands on a, a mount, a, a, an area that's a little higher up, and as he speaks, he's speaking down into this little kind of a valley that's an, a, nat, a natural amphitheater so that his voice carries to hundreds, probably thousands of people who are gathered there on the hillside. And when he gets to this part of the sermon where he begins to talk about prayer, imagine that his eyes connect with you. Almost as though everyone else disappears and Jesus, his words are meant just for you. Hear these words now that Jesus says to you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Lord, we pause from all our distractions to listen to your voice, to hear from you today. Jesus, we know that your words transcend through space and time, across oceans and years, to reach our ears right here, right now. So we open our ears to you and our eyes to you and our hearts and our hands, we open to you. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's dig into this passage beginning with verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. I just want to say one thing. You guys are probably figuring that out, but I'm getting a ringing 
up here, and there might be other mics up here that are maybe not muted or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. So prayer always comes with, with a reward. Look, look, even a hypocrite gets rewarded for praying. What is it? Recognition by people. Oh, wow, he prays so cool. She must be so close to God. Look at the way she prays. Instead of praying to experience uh, God in a way that draws them close to God, these hypocrites, these religious leaders, are actually praying in order to draw attention to themselves. Um, this, is, this is an issue. I, public prayer is not an issue for many of us. Anybody want to come up and pray for us right now in front of everybody? Probably not. It's kind of my job to do it, so I, I'm cool with it. But, um, but I, I looked at this and I'm like, man, this, i got to make sure that my heart is right when I'm praying in front of people or even teaching the way I am right now. Um, we want to draw attention to God and we want to draw into a closer relationship with God and that's what needs to be the core motivation for our prayers. Jesus doesn't want his followers to settle for that. So here's what he says, verse 6. But when you pray... Go away by yourself. Go be alone. Seek some solitude. Get away from all the noise and the crowds, all that busy life. This is what Jesus did, right? He got away often to be by himself. Jesus worked so hard. He healed people. He helped people. His whole life was devoted to being with people. But he knew that, that he could not constantly keep that up without replenishing his soul, without being alone with his Father. Look what, look what happened right before Jesus began his ministry. Luke 4.1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why did he do that? He went there to fast and pray. Look what Jesus told his disciples after they returned from their demanding, exhausting ministry tour. Uh, Jesus said, hey, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. What did Jesus do after his cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded? He needed some time alone to work through the grief. Look what he did. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Jesus also spent time alone before making any kind of a big decision. Look at this in Luke 6. Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. That was a really big decision to make. Jesus prayed all night before he made it. When Jesus was facing the most difficult moment of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he knew that they were coming to arrest him and he would be taken away to be crucified, what did he do? He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Just a stone's throw away. Sometimes all we need is just a little distance so we can be alone, kneel, pray, connect with the Lord. This is not an isolated event. Guys, Jesus did this all the time. 
Often, Scripture says. Look at Luke 5, 16. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. For what reason? For prayer. This was his regular practice. Jesus isn't telling us to do something that he did not personally do himself. Jesus teaches with words and with actions. Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you. We don't have to live every moment with the door wide open. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with creating some boundaries in our life. We can choose to shut the door at times and not be interrupted. But isn't that selfish? Shouldn't we have an open door policy at workplace and at home and in our life in general? Shouldn't we keep the door open to people? It turns out that actually what Jesus is saying here is really wise and makes sense. According to recent studies, um, a basics research uh, study shows that interruption has cost, cost the U.S. economy $588 billion a year in work lost due to interruptions. Look, studies show that every time we're interrupted, it takes a task 15 to 24% longer. Wow. Interruptions are costly. When someone says to you, hey, you got a second? <laughs> Actually, that second's going to turn into 23 minutes. Not that they talk to you for 23 minutes, but when you're into something and then you're interrupted and then you try to get back to it, on average, it takes 23 minutes to get back to that place where you were accomplishing something. Interruptions have a cost. Our phones, our iPads, our laptops, they are amazing tools, right, to help us be efficient, to help us do our work with excellence, and they're, they're great tools, but they also open the door to constant interruption constant interruption. I wonder how much it costs us, our spirit, our soul, our ability to even work and accomplish things. I wonder how much it affects us to have ourselves always open to interruption. I hope you put the the sleep device on your phone at night so you can actually at least sleep at night. Um, I wonder if Jesus had this generation in mind, this high-tech generation in mind, when he said, shut the door behind you. In other words, turn those things off. Lately, I, uh, recently I listened to a podcast about tech Sabbath, and some families now are finding that uh, it's really a, a beautiful thing in their life and for their family to, to for 24 hours, uh, one day a week, to take all their phones and all their electronic devices and put them in a box and put a lid on it and not touch them for 24 hours. Can you imagine doing that? <laughs> I wonder what that would do for the soul. Something that Candy and I are kind of talking about now. I've been asking myself some questions this week. What does it mean for me to shut the door behind me? How can I set up boundaries for myself cut down on the interruptions, while at the same time being open to godly interruptions. Because I'll be honest with you, some of the most beautiful things that happen in a day 
happened because of a godly interruption, something that I had no idea, I didn't expect, but I connect with somebody, something happens, and God is in it, and it's beautiful. And it never would have happened if I didn't have an open door. So how do I open that door and love people well and be approachable and invite people into my life and at the same time shut the door, eliminate hurry, make time for God, have those times when I, I'm, I'm intentionally shutting that door. Do you see the tension? There is a tension that we live with, right? To have an open door and to shut the door. Jesus lived with this tension. Jesus accomplished more than anyone on earth. Jesus did so much good. And he handled this tension perfectly. It makes me want to look even deeper into the Gospels, into the life of Jesus to see how did he handle this tension? How did he do so much good and still um, was able to shut the door and have his time with God and, and find that balance? Can we... Can we find that balance? Jesus is calling us to do that in this teaching. Look, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Now, the phrase that jumps out to me here is your Father. We talked about, you know, the... the um, the Sermon on the Mount was a, an amazing sermon that when you really look into it, you realize Jesus flipped everything upside down and inside out, and he, he introduced ideas about what the kingdom of God is that blew people's minds. And this is one of them here, that we can see God as Father, that God is, is not just a creator that is detached from his creation. He's not just a king that is disconnected from his kingdom. God is not distant or uninvolved. He's not, un, uh, not, un, uh, not uncaring. He's not unconcerned. God is your father. He's a loving parent. There's a, a depth to that relationship. We are adopted into his family as his children. Prayer is not a religious obligation. It's a family conversation. Please don't see prayer as a religious obligation. Let's see prayer as a family conversation. Your Father invites you into that. That's beautiful. Prayer is a child running to a dad when he gets home from work. That's how we ought to approach prayer, right? Prayer is like a, a child who hops on the lap of his mom and has a chance to read a book before bedtime. This is the feeling, this is the family feel that God wants to have with us when it comes to prayer. Have you said yes to your Father's invitation to intimacy? Your Father's invitation to experience prayer the way you would connect intimately as a family. That's a beautiful invitation. When you pray, Jesus says, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus promises that our Father 
will reward us, his kids, when we make prayer a priority. When we set aside time to be alone with God, when we seek this deep intimacy with God, when we pour out our hearts in prayer, true prayers that come from deep in the heart, connecting with God at a deep level, there's reward in that. Really, what kind of reward would that be? Well, maybe it's the reward of peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Maybe it's the the, the reward of joy, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe it's the reward of, of love, the depth of love that we can experience with our Father who loves us as his children. According to Jesus, prayer ought to be simple, short and sweet, at least at times, right? Look what he says here in verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. (laughs) They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Listen, I'm relieved to know that Jesus is not a fan of long prayers. Uh, Have you ever been, like, before a meal, wanting a short prayer because you're hungry and all that good food is laying out there and somebody just goes on and on? (laughs) One time... um, Actually, when Candy and I came here to candidate, like to try out as a pastor, 33 years ago, um, there was a group of people, and um, they asked my dad to pray. And my dad's awesome, and I'm sure he didn't want to let me down. He wanted the people to know that we spitters, we know how to pray. So he was going on and on with this prayer before the meal. And finally, my two-year-old son, Scotty, interrupted him. Amen! Amen! <laughs> It's great. But um, sometimes less is more. You heard that saying? Maybe that's true with prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. Yes, it is. A conversation involves words, usually. Prayer is communication with God. We listen. We speak. Yes, all that is true. But I think even more so, then a conversation and communication is communion. Prayer is something that brings us into communion with God. Being with God. Sometimes as we grow in intimacy with God, I think words become less necessary. More intimacy equals less necessary words. Um, Think about it. When you're with a really good friend, don't you have times when you just don't need to talk? Think about the most intimate time that uh, a married couple spend together. The deepest moments of intimacy. Usually words aren't part of it, right? Think about the intimacy between an infant and a mother while nursing eye contact, maybe a little humming, maybe nothing at all, just skin on skin, intimate connection, no words. I believe, I really believe this is true, that the deepest intimacy comes with no words at all. And I believe that's true with prayer. 
more than words. Something more than words. Imagine, imagine God singing this song to you. Saying, I love you. They're not the words I want to hear from you. It's not that I don't want to hear you say it, but if you only knew. Anybody know the name of that song? More than words. We as human beings get it, that love and connection is more than words. And this is so true when it comes to prayer, right? Prayer is more than words. There's something that happens deep in the soul when we pour out ourselves before God, sometimes with no words at all. Don't babble on and on, Jesus says. Sometimes we just need to sit in silence. Look at this last sentence again here. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Repeating something doesn't automatically make it meaningful. Sometimes just the opposite, right? Sometimes it's hard to bring meaning to a prayer that just is prayed out of habit, that flows so easy from your mouth that you can recite that prayer mindlessly. On the other hand, sometimes repetition is beautiful. Some of my most meaningful time with God comes from a simple prayer of repetition. I like to pray the breathing prayer, and I like to say the words, Abba, Father, as I breathe. And sometimes when I pray, I, I don't babble on and on. I just pray this very simple prayer. As I breathe in, Abba, as I breathe out, Father. Why? Because that's a phrase that draws me and reminds me that God loves me like a dad loves a child. And so I'm coming to him as a child, coming to my papa, my daddy, my Abba, Father. And that word does it for me. Maybe it's some other word that does it for you. Holy Spirit, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender. I, you know, I, I don't know what words would, would, be a, would be a phrase that would capture this idea that you just want to be in the presence of your God. But I want to just stop for a moment and just try this breathing prayer. So go ahead and close your eyes a moment. And just take some normal maybe a little bit longer than normal breaths in and out. And as you breathe in, invite the Spirit of God to fill you, every inch of you. And as you breathe out, let go of anxiety, let go of distraction, let go of whatever. Maybe sin, confess it, whatever you need to let go of. Breathe in an invitation for God to fill you. And let 
and breathe out a surrender, a letting go. And if it helps you to focus on a word, do that. Sometimes we just need space. Sometimes life does not give us space. Sometimes even when we gather as a church family, there's no space. You were just given a moment for some space. For what? To connect with God, to hear from God, to experience God's presence and I hope it was beautiful for you and maybe it was difficult for you in this setting in this way and especially if that's the first time you've ever tried to do the breathing prayer but I hope I, I, I hope you feel encouraged to to give the breathing prayer a try to maybe find a time every day to just sit and invite the Holy Spirit to fill you and release and surrender your life to God I wouldn't mind just doing that the rest of the time, but I do have a few more scriptures here to get through. <laughs> Let's take a look. Verse 8. Don't be like them. Well, let's jump back to 7 again just so we get the, our bearings. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And there's that phrase again, your father. Do you see that? Your father. Jesus is the son of God, right? And so it makes sense for him to pray to the father. But Jesus wants all his listeners, including us, to know he's your father too. <laughs> that we have this intimate relationship with God as Father. And your Father knows. See that word knows? That jumps out to me too. God knows. He knows what we don't know. We don't have to repeat a prayer over and over just to make sure God doesn't forget. God already knows even before we pray it. My Father knows me better than I know myself. And look at that word exactly. The knowledge of the Father is precise. He knows exactly what I need. God knows the exact details of my need. He doesn't have to do a Google search to figure out what my needs are. He knows already. There's no missing information. God's knowledge of me is complete and it's perfect. God not only knows what I want, God knows what I need. Now, sometimes our prayers center on what we want, and we shouldn't feel bad about that. Jesus actually wants us to be in touch with our desire. Look what he says to his first disciples as they begin to, to follow him around. Jesus looked around and saw them following 
Look what he asks. What do you want? Jesus wants them to figure out and name what it is they're after. What is your desire? What do you want? Look what happens when Jesus meets Bartimaeus, who is a blind man. He asks him this, point blank. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus knew what Bartimaeus wanted. He's a blind guy. He wants to be able to see, right? Jesus knows this. So why does he ask? Because Bartimaeus needs to come to terms with the desires of his heart. He needs to ad- admit what it is he wants and, 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 and embrace that and express that need, that want, that desire to Jesus. Jesus looked at a man lying helpless by the pool of Bethesda. Look what he says to him. Do you want to be healed? Come on. Of course he wants to be healed. So why does Jesus ask? Again, the man needs to know what he wants and he needs to express that desire for healing. Jesus puts the same question out to you and me. What do you want? What do you want? What is the desire of your heart? What are you after? What would you like me to do for you? Jesus says. Why does he ask us that? It's important for us to think about our desires. Some of our desires are not very good, right? Some of our desires are are beautiful. Whatever they are, God wants us to be honest about what it is we want. God wants us to seek him, to express our needs to him, to express our wants to him. Look back again at Matthew 6. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. He already knows what we want. But Jesus knows something else that we don't know. He knows what we need. There's a difference between a want and a need. Jesus wants us to ask him whatever we want. He wants us to express our desires to him. But what we want is not always what we need. Your father knows exactly what you need before you even ask. Look look at this amazing invitation Jesus gave to his disciples. John 15, 7. You may ask for anything you want. That's awesome. God invites us to pray, to come to him and say, oh Lord, this is the desire of my heart. This is what I really want. But I come back to this issue of uh, God knows uh, what I want, but, uh, but and he also knows what I need. And I don't always know what I need. So what do I do about this? When I pray, I ask God, I express my desire to God, but then I trust in the fact that my Father knows exactly what I need. So I leave the results to him. Here's what I want, but you know what I need. It's kind of like what Jesus did, again, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, I don't want this cup. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want to have to die on the cross and suffer. But not my will, but yours. Because, Father, you know it needs to happen. So here's what I want, but I submit, I surrender to your will because you know what I need. Jesus then goes from there to give a specific prayer, kind of like an example 
for us. And this is cool because a lot of times Jesus just asks questions that make us like wrestle with things and to, and to sort things out. This was a, one of those rare occasions where Jesus just lays it out and says, okay, here's how you do it. Look at, look at how this verse starts. Pray like this. <laughs> I'll, I'll make it easy. I'll just like the ABCs. I'll just lay this out for you. Pray like this. So, um, Chad, if you guys want to come back up, um, I, I want to walk through this, this prayer, but I want to give you a little space in between some of the words. Um, so if you would, again, just close your eyes. and We're going to look at how Jesus teaches us to pray and actually pray while we do it, okay? So Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father... Oh, will you just pray right now to your Father? Will you recognize God as Father? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Oh, Lord, you, you wrap us up like a father, but you're also so beyond us, so incredibly awesome. You're holy. You're perfect in every way. We recognize that right now. You are a holy God. You are great and mighty, You're so far beyond us. Thank you for being my intimate father, but also my amazing God. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, Lord, may your kingdom come. Lord, we know your kingdom is already here, but may your kingdom come. May your ideal be reached. God, work through me, work through us as a church family to usher in your kingdom. May your will be done. Lord, as I think about things that I would like to see happen if I could have it my way if it was my will that was done but God my prayer is this may your will be done give us today the food that we need oh Lord we come to you now with our needs thank you for inviting us lay our needs before you. Forgive us our debts. Lord, open my eyes in this moment to see things that are not right in my life. I 
confess those things to you. And I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Lord, if there's someone in my life that I don't, things aren't right with them, Lord, I just, help me to forgive them. Help me to be restored in that relationship with them. And don't let us yield to temptation. Lord, instead I yield to you. You have the right of way in me. I yield to to you and your will. Help me to have victory in my life as I submit to your lordship in my life. Lord, rescue us from the evil one. Lord, I need salvation. I need to be rescued. Rescue us, Lord. Oh, Lord, if there is anyone in this room now who has never received you as their Savior, received the forgiveness of sin, received this newness that comes when you wash away our sin and come into our life as Lord, God, may we, may we all receive you in this moment as Savior. Rescue us. Jesus' name.